And we're recording. Awesome. Welcome to Untold Design Stories, episode number three. This is a podcast curated by the designers who are joining the On Deck Designer Fellowship. So today I'm joined by a couple of very special guests who are both founding fellows. Olga Mishina, who's head of product design at Adyen, based in Amsterdam, and Sarah Khan, a senior product designer at Nextrol, based in San Francisco. I'd love for you both to just give us a, a quick intro on, on who you are. Welcome. Nice. Um, thank you for introduction. Uh, so my name is Olga, and um, currently I'm working as a head of product design um, in Adyen. I'm supervising currently all the onboarding and uh, core finance products. And uh, before IDN, it's kind of happened that in the past six years, I've been working mostly with the fintech. I was working with the consultancy company, and I get to work with different banks like ING and Nordea and uh, Allianz Investment. So I didn't look at it specifically to go into fintech, but it's kind of followed my way. And before that, I was working for KLM, working on their uh, consumer app, which was super fun. It was one of the most interesting and learning experiences in my career. I'm originally from Belarus and uh, I moved to the Netherlands about 10 years ago and kind of fell immediately in love with the city. I am Sarah. I'm a senior product designer at Nextrol. I lead the emails product over here. And previous to that, I was working at Coursera uh, as a product designer for growth and consumer. And um, yeah, I'm originally from Pakistan. I moved here about 10, 11 years back and enjoying um, in San Francisco. Amazing. Very international episode today. I love it. Well, this is a question I, I, I always love kicking these conversations off with. Just understanding, you know, as we were talking before we started recording, uh, a lot of the designers I meet tend to, you know, there's, there's never like a straightforward story. I went to design school, I applied for a few jobs, and now I'm a designer. The two guys last week, well, one was a musician, the other one was a soccer player. I think last week I've also met like some lawyers turned designers as well. So, yeah, I'd love to know how did you both end up in design and, and how did you land your, your first role? in design what's your what's your story i can go first i think throughout my career i had a first few jobs that actually i had to restart my career multiple times when i was in high school i always wanted to write so i wanted to be a journalist and i was studying specifically linguistic class uh, like english russian and uh, we were making a newspaper in our high school and it was a while ago, and we were using software. It was Quark Express. I don't know if any of you remember this. And uh, of course, we were doing everything ourselves. So I was doing this newspaper, writing and making a design. And at some point uh, throughout that year, I kind of realized that I enjoy doing this newspaper way more than I actually enjoy writing. It kind of switched uh, the entire perception of what I want to do. And I decided to go study design. But at that moment um, in Belarus, there was only one place where I could actually study design. And while I was trying to pass my exams and enter the university, uh, the university got closed. So I had to move to the different country and started all over again. 
Uh, and that's, it was in Lithuania and I was studying uh, visual design and media. And we were kind of doing a lot of different things. We had a very like foundational education where we studied composition, coloristics. It was very, very theoretical and not so much practical. And when the time came to work, I was mostly thinking about like editorial, branding maybe. And my first job was actually at the um, uh, editorial. We were publishing house. We were making books, magazines, and all these kind of things. And um, after a year working there, I kind of realized it's not as fun as I was expecting it to be. So I decided to try out advertising agencies. So because I thought it's like really close. It's also editorial, but a bit more fun. And uh, that's when I went to the different city, to the Minsk, capital of Belarus. And I decided to, to work there in an agency. It was a very exciting time, but honestly, I wouldn't recommend anyone to work in an agency after they're 25 because it's uh, taking a toll on you. You work 24-7, really. There is always uh, something that should have been delivered yesterday, but it was a super interesting experience. And then at at this point, um, it was happening sort of political unrest uh, in my country, and um, that was the moment when I decided, okay... I really tried to leave to leave back in my country, but it doesn't really work. So uh, I need to go somewhere where it's a bit more stable, a bit more um, uh, economically safe. So I chose Amsterdam. And uh, when I came to the Amsterdam, it was like all over again, because my experience uh, back in Belarus wasn't really taking seriously, if I can say that, because we didn't have big brands that I could show. All I had is just my craft, my skills. So I started all over again. Uh, I started with an internship in a very small design agency. They kind of did a bit of everything. They did uh, web, they did advertising, they did uh, magazines, uh, books. After working there three months as an intern, they kind of look at it like, okay, we see you have the experience. We don't see where from, but uh, do you want to work full time? So I was like, okay, this is great. This is amazing. And I sat in that agency for about five years. After this five years, I saw that kind of world is changing a bit. Um, there are way more interesting happening in the product design in UX, UI. And I thought, okay, maybe it's time to reinvent myself again. (laughs) And um, uh, at this point, what I did, I think it was one of the skills that I got from the university is the ability to study and um, knowing how to sort of uh, teach yourself. So all I needed is just to find the right courses online and take it in the evenings. And I also made it uh, quite quite vocal to all friends of mine saying like, I'm actually looking for a job as a visual designer. I want to work in UI. So if anyone is going to hear anything, please tell me. And um, at some point, a friend of mine, he called me like, listen, we really looking for a designer like tomorrow. Can you start? Okay. What I need to do? I was like, you need to do mobile apps. I like, I've never done mobile apps before, <laughs> but okay. I think I can learn this in a, and like as I go, so I said yes, and uh, that was one of the most amazing experiences that I had. And from there on, I just kind of uh, kept doing product design. So yeah, reinventing yourself multiple times uh, is challenging, but it's also super fun. What a journey! That was uh, that was incredible. That was a roller coaster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Very interesting. My background is in accounting and finance. And uh, while I was taking a break from work to take care of my kids, I picked up illustration as a hobby and gradually developed interest in product design. And after I made that decision, the next thing was um, to how to learn the skills that are needed to become a product designer. Uh, there are so many resources out there and it's really hard to decide where to start from um, and how to create a plan for something from scratch. I always start working backwards from my goal. And in this case, the goal was to find a job as a product designer and to apply for one, I needed to have a portfolio. I started off with building my portfolio right off the bat and you may find it unusual, but it, it helped me find out what tools I needed in order to get started and how to create my learning plan. And then I worked on building the skills that were needed. After I had my first version of portfolio ready, which um, if I look back at it, it was really bad. Um, I went ahead to get feedback on how to improve it from a good friend of mine. After redesigning my complete portfolio four times and learning the skills on the way, I was able to land my first job as a part-time UX designer at a small startup. And uh, not to mention that, you know, I, I applied multiple times at a, at a lot of a number of places, went to a lot of interviews and, you know, was able to land um, a place finally where I could start learning. One question I get a lot, uh, asked a lot from people who are transitioning is, how do we build a portfolio when we don't have any projects to show, especially since we cannot apply for the job without a portfolio? For me, I started participating in 99 design contests and then used those projects uh, for my very first portfolio. But that was really a resource to get me started to think about design uh, and start learning for the real world. Uh, I also conducted a lot of user research um, along the way and asked my friends and family to just help me with that. So that's how I started. Yeah, some great, great tips in there. Um, curious, we kind of went way back to where, where you started. What were some of the scary moments of, as you moved up the ladder? Both of you are, are much senior positions now. What were some of the new skills that you were exposed to or new situations that maybe you thought, I don't know how to go about this, how to deal with this? I can start with this one. Um, I think one thing that no one ever prepares you when you kind of learn all your design skills and thinking about user research, user experience, I don't know, working on design systems no one prepares you that someday you will have to be sort of a people manager and maybe a bit of a project manager. It's like completely new set of skills that wasn't there before, especially people management. It's like if project management, somehow you've been doing it one way or another, but the people management, definitely something new. And I really had to work hard on uh, those skills. And I, I, literally I created like a list for myself what I need in order to be good at talking to people and helping them grow together with what I'm doing, understanding them, also being able to feel for them. For example, one thing that really, really helped me is learning about uh, emotional intellect. It's something that really opened my eyes on a lot of things because I'm also kind of coming from the culture where emotions are not that uh, useful, especially at the workplace. It's also not something that you've been taught. And 
it's kind of something that actually been discouraged throughout your all growing up time that emotions will only get in a way you always need to say super professional don't show anything to show your weaknesses and actually being a people manager and uh, uh, design lead you have to be vulnerable you have to show that you're a human too you're not some perfect uh, leader great leader you're same as everyone else you're learning things as you go sometimes you make mistakes and um yeah, I think being open about all this was the biggest skills that I had to learn. I totally agree with Olga. Uh, and I think uh, my situation was very similar as well. Um, so when I was, you know, when I decided to switch my job, I had offers for both uh, the mid-level designer or senior level positions. Uh, I felt like I was ready to take on senior level, but I wasn't 100% confident um, and I wanted to make sure that I am not jumping into something with wrong expectations and setting myself up for failure. So I spoke with my previous manager who told me not to doubt myself. She encouraged me to take this step and she was right. I was ready. And I'm happy that I took this opportunity. Again, going back to that point that I think the skills um, that I wasn't aware of jumping you know, into these careers was, um, again, uh, project management, leadership skills, a lot of communication and uh, especially from someone who was learning on their own previously and then going into the corporate world, uh, wasn't, it wasn't clear to me that I'll be expected to run all these cross-functional team meetings um, and, you know, collaborating with the senior leadership and all of that. So that's, I think, a work in progress. But with the help of the mentors I have, um, I think it, it becomes easy and helpful. So, yeah, that's my story. That resonates with me, actually, especially what you said, Olga. I'm from Eastern Europe as well, and the not showing uh, emotions thing. I never really worked back in Lithuania. I left the country very young, but thinking back to that, just that just brought me back to some specific situations, uh, for sure. I, I think our kind of cultural background has a big influence on what kind of leaders we're going to be and what kind of managers we're going to be, how we're going to talk to our designers. And uh, was something that you, Sarah, said, um, it's so important to have someone who can help you grow and help to understand this thing, some kind of mentor, a coach, or someone like just a friend in a higher position. It's like like what you guys are doing here with the On Deck uh, Fellowship. It's exactly what people need in order to grow. Yeah. I wish I wish it didn't need to exist, if I'm honest. I wish everyone, you know, had that support. It just was a thing. We, we didn't need to have these conversations. Hopefully a vehicle to start changing some of that, some of that narrative. So that's, that's a big hope for me. Actually, this is a good segue into my next question. Misuk talked about this in the first episode that we recorded. A lot of the women that are joining the fellowship have told me a version of the reasons that, that they're joining. And it's talking about some of these tough situations you experience as you start moving up the ladder as, as a woman in design. If you're comfortable talking about it, I'd, I'd love to know what, what were some of those tougher situations that maybe you had to face? That's um, a very, um, I wouldn't say sensitive, but it's very close to home topic. Um, I remember when one of my positions in that advertising agency, we were two um, designers, two women. And uh, our art director at one of the 
celebrations like 8th of March, Women's Day and something like that. He said, like, thank you, girls. Thanks to you, I know now that uh, women can also be designers. And we were like, whoa. I mean, thanks God, it was uh, almost 15 years ago. I don't think, I don't expect to hear this anywhere now. But it's still a very prominent topic. And um, in my company, we do have meetings to talk about these experiences. Because for women, we kind of always uh, been taught we should not make like a lot of fuss, not to be problems, not to create any problems, not to be too stubborn, not to show any kind of aggression, because this threat's not seen well in the professional, like women professionals. And uh, in order to grow in leadership, you have to have these things. You have to speak up. You have to be stubborn sometimes. You have to disagree sometimes. And um, just recently, we've been having a meeting at work, and we were discussing with the, uh, some of uh, women developers and designers their experiences um, about like growing in the tech. And it's always really hard because even if you see something happening on the workplace, you don't really want to go to HR straight away because it's like you don't want to create a problem. And it's so important to have um, a support group of uh, like-minded people, men and women, where you can talk about these experiences and um, correct them. For example, it, it's really hard also for men to kind of acknowledge this because they don't know what they don't know. And if they do something out of the line uh, or, uh, I don't know, say to a female colleague, oh, this is too hard, you don't understand, even if this someone has like more experience uh, than this guy would. Um, even if you say something back, it's really hard for this guy to kind of make a step back and not to get into defensive mode. We really need to normalize in the working space um, this kind of safe environment where you can do a misstep, you can say something that you didn't mean or you didn't know could hurt someone else and acknowledge that mistake and uh, grow past that. And also for women to be not afraid to call out these things, not in a malicious way, but in like, we need to grow together. And design community, like the rest of the tech, still has a huge way to go in this direction. Though I haven't experienced challenges being a woman in design personally, um, but as a junior designer, I wasn't given challenging tasks because people assumed that I had too much on my plate since I was a parent. It has gotten much better now that I am at a senior level and I can decide which projects I would take on. But I think we need to maybe create a better system uh, for people who are entering in this field with family responsibilities, and we should give them equal chances. I, I do agree with you, Olga, that as you start leveling up from here and go more into the management roles, it, it gets tough for women. In a previous life before I joined on that, a big part of my job was hosting leadership dinners, pre-pandemic life when we could do these things. And uh, a lot of the dinners I hosted, the split in the room would be sometimes more men, less women, sometimes like 50-50. But at this one specific uh, dinner, there was a lot more women. Uh, and this was the first time we'd, we'd hosted something like that in, in that country. And I, I was really curious. I asked the question at the table. What I learned was, was not that great. What the women at the table uh, told me and the men agreed was that in, in that specific country, there's more women in design when they come out of school. But they're only allowed to get to a certain 
level. And then when I looked around who was in the room and I looked at their job titles, there was just the head of design. And they very specifically told me, if you look at all of the biggest companies in our country and you look at the director and VP titles, none of them are women. And that's problematic. You two kind of talking about it just reminded me of, of that situation, which is a problem. It's sort of a, a systematic issue, as indeed you, you mentioned, uh, a lot of starters um, uh, in tech and development and um, in design. Usually it's like half and half uh, the gender balance. Uh, but when uh, it starts to grow, women often are drop out because of the boys club at the top. It's really hard to get through. Uh, you will be excluded from conversations that are done during the, I don't know, sports outing or something like that. Women are usually expected to take care of the children. Uh, you go out for, I don't know, six months, depending on the country. This is a penalty on your career and it's really hard to address it. Again, I, I keep referring to Misuk, but she, she spoke very honestly about this in, in the first episode where she made herself sick when she had uh, kids because she was worried about uh, taking time off and kind of going back in her career. And again, that's that's a, a major challenge and kind of what you're talking about, Sarah. I'm, I'm curious what advice you'd give someone wanting to pursue a, a, a career similar to yours. Or you both talked about management, leadership a little bit. What do you think the impact you, you can have as a manager and a, and a leader? I think one, like there are multiple advices that can help uh, grow, like going in uh, that direction. One is, uh, I think it's Im important to decide for yourself as a designer, what exactly do you want? Because if you're really into craft and you really want to design, there are very few companies where you can continue doing it successfully in leadership roles. In many cases, you will have to, you will just not have enough time for that anymore. And in that case, if you still want to kind of keep your craft, you probably will have to keep something more like a principal role. This is the choice that you need to make. And um, in generally growing and uh, understanding like what is your path, it's like a collection of experiences you can have. You potentially should choose the project or work that can give you and provide those experiences and arrive you to the point where you can say, okay, I can do this uh, confidently and I know how to do these things. Besides those experiences, it's very important to surround yourself with the people who can help you out uh, understanding uh, where you're still lacking the skills, where you're already good, uh, maybe to help you learn something new and kind of challenge each other to have this community where you all can continually grow uh, and learn from each other. So same uh, similar advice that I would also um, give to people who are coming in new uh, so a lot of times people jump into things and find out later on that it was not for them. I would suggest uh, before committing to anything that requires high time or financial commitment, try it out first using the free resources that are available to see if that's something you would really enjoy. Because with design, you can go either in the UX direction, you can go in research. Um, so I think just trying it out first and see where you feel uh, comfortable with would, would be uh, very helpful. And again, um, when we talk about design, the assumption is that all we are doing is sitting in silos and designing, you know, uh, cool stuff. 
But in reality, it's a lot more than that. And just to know that, you know, you have to have leadership skills, you need to learn communication, uh, you need to be great at presentation and making sure that you make your point clear. So there are a lot of things that come along the process. So I would say like, uh, I wish I had that advice earlier when I was jumping in, but just keep practicing those skills as well as your uh, learning design. How do you both continue to learn uh, because things are moving so fast, ideas, frameworks, tools, and uh, all of that is just changing so fast. How do you continue to learn in, in order to to stay on top of the things that you're doing within your role? I don't think there is a right answer for that. I, there are so many things uh, that you can possibly learn. It's always like going and uh, looking for berries in the forest. It's uh, looking through the articles on all over internet, listening to the podcast, following people on Twitter, talking to your colleagues, talking to your ex-colleagues, uh, going to the meetups. I, I really found, for example, live meetups super useful because usually after the specific talk uh, or like a panel discussion, you can always go to these people. And because usually the meetups, they're more sort of uh, small, then the audience is not so big, so you have more chances to actually talk to the speaker and um, ask extra questions um, and maybe talk to other people there. Um, network generally. Yeah, so I would say this is like my top three, four uh, sources. <laughs> when I was uh, at a mid-level, I think I would plan time, to carve out some time to, you know, read on uh, courses or go to meetups but with uh, my current role in the senior leadership position I think it's a continuous learning journey every day and um, in my current role I think my team is very big on design education um, so it, they offer a lot of trainings and resources uh, but previous to that was all about going to meetups looking for all the resources that I could and carving some time out to make sure that I catch up on my learning. I wanted to add also something that not necessarily is a design education, but what I find really useful for myself to kind of read books on the um, other topics, not directly relevant to the design. I don't know, natural history, physics, maybe, um, I don't know, interesting new researches in medicine. There's always something that comes out useful or sort of like a little insight that you can apply um, in your day-to-day -day work as well. All of the different previous careers that people have had who end up designers, architects and lawyers and musicians and what have you, they bring such different perspectives to, to what they do. Um, actually, one of the guys that's joined in, he was an economist in Nigeria before turning uh, to design and now uh, runs his own design studio. Those kind of rich backgrounds, I think, bring such really, really interesting perspectives to, to the craft. Um, is there anything you would do differently about your career path if, if you had the chance? It's hard to tell, to be honest, because uh, we are where we are because of those experiences, in a way. I don't know like what kind of profession I would be right now if I wouldn't try that uh, publishing house. I wouldn't try this 24-7 work at the agency or if I didn't work on the small projects in a small studio. It all kind of taught me uh, different things. The only thing I maybe would advise to myself 
if I could, from the future to the past, um, is to be a bit more brave, to be a bit more confident about the skills and possibilities, what you can do and what you can take on. Uh, I am satisfied with my career most, most for the most part. And um, I moved from being a financial analyst to a senior designer within a time of six years. So I think earlier in my journey, I did have imposter syndrome. I was worried about how I was being compared to those who have a creative background and a lot more experience than me. Um, but now I realize that my background in finance is actually an advantage uh, because I can demonstrate that I'm able to connect the business goals to the user needs, which are both critical for product design. Uh, so I think everything has been a learning opportunity for me. Um, and um, again, I think I agree with Olga that we need to be more confident in our skills. Um, we, at times we do feel this imposter syndrome if we are right, doing the right thing or not. So just being more confident, I think, helps. Does it ever go away, the imposter syndrome? Uh, every, I, I don't think so. With every level, we have a new imposter syndrome and we have to overcome it. But yeah, just trying to get better at it. <laughs> yeah. The imposter syndrome is real and it's not just exclusive to design. I can tell you, I thought, you know, in my 30s, you start feeling a little bit more confident and more, more comfortable in the stuff that you do. But with every like new challenge that I've been taking on, it's just day one. Okay, no, why am I here? Why did they hire me? <laughs> um, that, that's been my two, the last two months at OnDeck, basically feeling like that every single day. I remember someone saying like, if you start to like your previous designs, it means you've become a bad designer. <laughs> that's a tweet right there. What excites you both about the, the future of design as, as an industry? Oh, there are so many things. I think in general, I'm, I'm a tech optimist. I do believe that technology will help humanity move to somewhere better. I'm not that much dystopian about technology altogether. As every tool, there is always going to be some misuse. It's also up to us to make sure that it's used properly, done properly. And of course, there are going to be some missteps, like, uh, I don't know, things with Facebook. Um, who, could, who could have predicted that the like uh, would become such a disruptive uh, technology? But on the other hand, it brought so much good as well. And uh, I think as designers, we get more and more sort of sit at the table of designing the future of tech and uh, the future of humanity in general. It's just going to get more and more interesting and more and more exciting with all the new technologies. Uh, thinking like 20 years back, uh, yeah, we didn't have any of those mobile apps. We didn't have any of those possibilities of calling each other or with the video calls and everything. Who knows what we're going to have in another 10 years. We probably will have to reinvent ourselves all over again because the technology will be so different. Our children will have to explain it to us. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is an interesting question uh, because I think if you look at the current situation within this pandemic, um, everything changed around the globe uh, kids learning online, people are doing online shopping, people working remotely. And um, I think in case of the kids, they're using the same tools that we are using for work. So it all comes back to a good or a, 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 an easy design or an easy experience to use so that any age group can quickly jump on it and be able to use it. So I think this pandemic has taught us a lot about how we can 
uh, create these designs that can be universal going forward and anybody can use it because usually what happens is when we're designing for kids, we have that persona in mind and we are making sure that it aligns to that user needs. But it can be a universal you know, design system which can work for any age group. Um, and we've seen that, that people are using all sorts of tools right now, now that they need it. The pandemic exposed so many interesting opportunities and, and just maybe even needed some needed change as well. Not saying that we all want to stay forever at home and kids <laughs> want to stay learning at home. Hopefully we don't have a repeat for a while, but these kind of things that keep accelerating, maybe the next time it'll just be a little bit easier to keep life normal if yeah. whenever something happens. And one last question, and you both kind of touched on it a little bit. I'm curious uh, why you're both joining the On Deck Fellowship, even though we kind of covered this during the interviews, but I want to share it a little bit more, more broadly. I, I think for me, it was uh, sort of I wanted to grow faster than I would do it on my own. And also to find this sort of like-minded community where I could ask questions and maybe share my experience and learn from each other and challenge each other. It's it really something that I want to have it more in condensed form, um, that people who already have done it um, can share their experience. We could learn from this. Uh, so as I mentioned that, I know some of the skills that I need to develop as a leader, and now I need to create a goal to achieve them. And I'm hoping that with this platform, I would be able, able to get the support that I need with like-minded people and the resources that I need uh, right now. And the second uh, reason is that I really want to help other designers to achieve their goals and you know, give them help that I wished I had when I was starting this journey. So yeah, those are my reasons. Awesome. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for <clears throat> jumping on this this episode and, and sharing your stories. Really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much.